Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Right here, hour three of our Saturday morning broadcast. You're tuned in to every Arizona homeowner's happy place where we are here to inform you, protect you, and entertain each of you on everything having to do with your house, home, castle, or cabin. Whether you're new to Arizona or been here your whole life, we have been voted, you need to know, Rosie on the House has been voted the number one homeowner resource and contractor referral for 14 years running. Don't even touch your house. Don't even think about touching your house until you touch base with us at Rosie on the House. And you can do that right now, live. Ask us your question. Let us answer your question. It will not only educate you, but it will educate the thousands of people that are listening to us right now. Give us a ring at one 767 We do have some calls waiting. Okay. And just want them to know I am here. I will okay. get to you in just a second. <laughs> All right. I have a couple questions for you from email this week. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah. Okay? It was pretty crowded this week, wasn't it? Well, here's, here's I, I owe everyone an apology. I'm, I'm a little behind on my emails. <laughs> All right, okay. I'll catch up. Well, I'll give day. you, I'll give you three. Okay. Okay. So uh, this homeowner lives in Tucson. She says I live in an area where there's no Rosie certified partner, and specifically, she's looking for land. No man's land. And she wants to know how on earth am I supposed to pick a contractor without you or guidance? So we're part of Arizona. Tucson. Tucson. So if you are a Tucson landscaper and you've been in business at least five years, licensed, bonded, and insured, uh, my suggestion would be apply. And I would I would, <laughs> I would, tell her that at this point she's going to have to go to our uh, consumer guide on how to select a remodeling contractor. And put her landscaping contractors through exactly the same test that we tell people to put their remodeling contractors. And it's through. not even specifically remodeling; it's how to choose a contractor. So that, it, it yeah. does apply. Absolutely, uh, there's enough questions in there that you could get the information to screen anyone. You bet. So absolutely. Okay, number two. She says, and I where, where is this one coming from? Um, you know, sometimes I don't know by email. Okay, all right. Uh, I have a question about interior drawers. Considering cost and popularity, what type do you recommend, hollow or solid wood? Oh, that's, you know, um, now the, the, the people in construction that know me would not call me a carpenter. <laughs> um, but most people think of me as a carpenter. I don't know a carpenter in the world that would recommend a hollow core over a solid core. And in some places, you have to have a solid. Well, yeah. And so, well, yeah, not only do you have to have solid core, but you have to have a fire-rated yeah, solid core the between core. the kitchen and the garage. Right. But for the money, I mean, a, a hollow core door is... Um, it's like two pieces of balsa wood. There's I mean, air in between. There's nothing to it. It doesn't stop any sound transmission. Um, it, it can swing off the hinges at the slightest little bit of aggravation door slamming. Uh, in my book, Rosie's book, if you want it done Rosie right, you're going to go solid core. That's yeah. an easy one. Yeah, it's, it, I think going with um, quality a little less, and if, even if you had to do, cut back somewhere else, 
quality products are worth the, the money. But don't but don't cut back on your door hardware. So yeah. uh, invest in a good, solid core and go ahead and invest in nice hardware. All right. Okay. And speaking of hinges, yeah, oh, we, yeah. we have a YouTube channel. And yeah. on there you, you have done this video that's quite popular on stopping a ghost door. In other words, you pull the door just shut, shy of shut and it falls back open. Yes. Or you leave it halfway open and it falls back open. And yeah, it's, people really like that video, but I need, think I need to worry about you here. She says, Rosie, I think I'm in love with you. <laughs> she says, I just Uh-oh. fixed three doors in my house that have been doing the ghosting thing for 20 years. I fixed it in five oh, That's minutes. hilarious. That's <laughs> hilarious. Well, we do have a YouTube channel where we demonstrate on video a lot of the questions and answers we've gotten over the on the radio show for all these years. And you can go to YouTube and subscribe, and every time we cut a new video – You'll automatically be alerted. And, Jennifer, you have a lot to worry about because there's a rumor around KTAR that I'm the number one most popular radio disc jockey in Arizona for single women over 75. (laughs) And they almost all call me all week long. And and there was probably a time you thought that was old. That's young. That's really young. <laughs> Got to get up close to the oh, mic and say, yeah, hey, baby. That, 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 there's a rumor going around that that's the case. And I, that, I, I consider it an honor to be the one that those uh, individuals and homeowners can call and trust. And we'll treat them just like we would treat my own mom. Nice chilly day here in Arizona. Saturday morning, the National Weather Service out of Flagstaff posted a temperature chart. Neutral, so it was 13 degrees. Yeah, Mormon Lake, 14. Baby. Flagstaff and Springerville were in the 15 and 16, 18 degrees in Williams-Paulden, 21 in Chino, Cottonwood, 23, Payson, 27, and uh, hopefully some of that temperatures drops down, gives a nice frost to the desert. It's been a few years since we've had a good good hard mosquito insect bug kill off, and they stated this, uh, these temperatures are more normal for January weather than November. So. We'll tell you, Snow Bowl opens uh, next weekend. Oh, Romy, yeah. One of those questions came from a woman from Tucson. What do you call people from Tucson? People? What, what, are, they, what, are, they, what are they known as? Tucsonians? Oh, you're wrong. Oh. You got to take the eye out. And okay. they are very touchy about that. That's how they found out who belongs Tucsonans. there, does it? Tucsonians. You call them a Tucsonian down there and... They look at you cross-eyed. Okay. They get very upset. They are Bruce very sensitive about that. Well, speaking about uh, how you say what you say, what you call, yeah. you probably saw this article that the uh, National Park Service posted on their social media, a public service announcement advising people not to lick desert toads. I mean, <laughs> Now, what is that about? You must I be able have, to get high doing that or something, the, right? I don't know about high. I know it, it killed our dog. Yeah, right. Uh, Not a smart thing to do. Makes you vomit, nauseous. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine Let's uh, do this, yeah. being Why would you an enjoyable high. I have no idea. But apparently there's enough of it that the National Park Service felt they needed to make a statement about it. Now, the funny thing is you probably heard that because it's been all over the news. And it's been all over the news all over the country. And uh, one of the funny things is how people try and pronounce the name 
of the toad. We're learning more about those uh, psychedelic toads. The National Park Service warned visitors, stop licking the Sonoran (laughs) Desert Toads. Where is that, Romy? The The Sonoran. Well, see, and I think... As, and I'm not one that should be making fun of people on how they pronounce words. He is not, he is not a Tucsonian. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, that was a radio broadcast out of Houston. But I think this indirectly stumbled on a great tool we could use here locally. When people come and they're looking for the Sonoran Desert. Oh, you know, we, 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 we can help Go keep west. our population down. You know, just, you're almost there. Pick any direction till you hit an ocean. And, and then you'll know you found it. Or somebody looking for cigarros. Here, I've got a few for you. I, so, you know, some of our words are kind of hard. We've been here a long time. We take it for granted. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to mispronounce them and you tell me what I got here. Mogollon. Mogollon, Rem. Saguaro. That's a Sora. Tuxin. Well, that's Tucson. Xavier. Javier. Yeah, no, I, I, deb- I, deb- I debate that. Even de- people that graduated from Xavier. Xavier. It depends if you're south of the Gila River. Or the Gila. The, the Gila River. The, the Gila de- River. If you're south of the Gila River, that's Javier. If you're north of the Gila River, it's Xavier. Okay. And I know that because if you call Xavier college prep, they say Xavier College Prep. And the only reason you know it's Javier is because of your sister. Uh, yeah, I, got, I think I got corrected live on air by my She's firstborn. Yeah. How about? And Ma- named Karen. Uh, Karen. Love you so much, girlfriend. Mazatzal. Matazel. And I've heard that pronounced three different ways. And there was a commercial about that. They called it matzo ball. Yeah. <laughs> that works. And, and Matazel. Madison. And I found out I'm pronouncing one wrong because I thought this was right. Arapapai. <laughs> Arapapa? <laughs> yes. Well, is, that the one, is that it? Yeah, I always Arabipa. call it Arapapa. But you always answer me, so I didn't know it was wrong. Uh, very nice of you. Yeah, I, I'm a very nice person. Canyon de Chelly. Uh, Canyon de Shea. <laughs> Canyon del Muerto. Last one. Chola. That'd be Choya. <laughs> mm. So that's a good way to detect someone who's new. <laughs> And just gently remind, you know. And, and like well. I said, if they're out here looking for the uh, Sonoran Desert, just say, hey. Go west. Just, just keep walking till you hit the ocean, and, and you'll know you're there. And you know what? <laughs> Truth to be told, it depends where you are in Arizona. Because I know people that have called this show and said, quit calling it Gila Bend. What is it? I, and quit calling it Casa Grande. It's Casa Grande. And quit saying Prescott. And quit saying Prescott. If, if you're from Yavapai County, it's Prescott. Everybody else in the state calls it Prescott. <laughs> so I, so you, have to be, you have to be aware of people's temperamental nature. We've got Elizabeth on hold. Elizabeth, we're going to go on a little short break. I promise you, you'll be the first one we pick up right after this short break, right here at Rosie on the House. Every Arizona homeowner's happy place. Stay tuned. So we've been building and remodeling here in uh, throughout Arizona. We've we've done some remodeling up on some historic homes up in Flagstaff. We've rebuilt restaurants in Wikiup, Arizona. Uh, we've had several homes down in Tucson, done quite a bit of remodeling in the Pima County area, as well as the Far East Valley in Apache and Greenlee County. 
So we've been through the entire state. We got here in 1966. There's hardly a dirt road in Arizona I haven't traveled. There isn't a there isn't a coffee shop and a donut house I haven't stopped in and eaten. I know the whole state fairly well. If you're out there and you've got a question about your house, home, castle, or cabin, it's a call-in show. Let's take Sarah and find out what issue Hello? Sarah has today. Good morning, Sarah. Hold on. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I know. Don't hang up. I won't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I'm just clueless. Um, I have a flat roof, and it's uh, you know the urethane foam. I guess it is. It's been recoated several times throughout the last twenty some years. Okay. And that year, the, the the coating is cracked. So I had three people come out to tell me what needs to be done with it. First one said, "Oh yeah, we can recoat it. We'll put like a, some sort of a primer down, and then the elastomeric yeah. stuff, I guess." Uh, the second one. Said, oh, there's some membrane we put down, and I guess coat that. I'm not, I'm not really sure. And then the third one said, oh, we won't recoat it at all. You need a new roof. So I have no idea what I need to do. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, how old is the foam that's in place right now? It's probably around 20 years old. It is. Close to it. Okay. And, uh, Sarah, do you get up on the roof at all yourself? I have been up there, yes. Okay. Uh, One of the areas uh, that we look for in assessing whether the foam is still good enough or not is sometimes uh, moisture will get in and actually lift whole areas. So there'll be like swollen areas coming off of the the plywood deck. Uh, It's like a big bubble. Uh, The other thing is excessive bird damage. Or if we haven't been on a regular recoding uh, regime and protocol, if the sun has been able to hit any of that, the sun, the UV really degrades the foam once the elastomeric is burned off. Um, You've got three different people recommending three different things. Uh, At 20-year-old foam, I, I would research if not foam replacement, foam enhancement, probably at the very least. Um, you're probably seeing some pretty significant uh, recoat where we can go in and your elastomeric that we're looking at is, is uh, spiderwebbed, checked, and cracking. We go in, we power wash it, we apply a primer, elastomeric primer, apply elastomeric paint, you're probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about 3 to $4 a square foot. If we feel like the foam actually needs to be replaced or enhanced, you're probably at least twice that. Um, it's worth researching that. This person that's talking about laying a membrane over the top of the foam, I'm not familiar with that technology, and I'm not saying good or bad about it. I'm just not familiar with it. Usually with foam, it's foam on top of foam, and then it's always capped with the elastomeric paint. I'd be willing to take a look at those proposals. If you'd like to send it to me, I'll give you my email address off air, and I'll review them. I'll take a look at the address. I'll take a satellite image of the house and give you my personal opinion. 
Let's go down to Bill calling from Tucson. Sounds like he's got a little project he'd like to try and tackle. Let's see if we can help him. Good morning, Bill. Hey, Rosie. First, I want to I want to thank you and your team. I, over the years, you've given me so much uh, good advice and and good uh, recommendations. I've saved thousands of dollars from and had great work done by all the people that you uh, recommend. So I want to thank you again. Gosh, Bill, thanks a million. We 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 really do try hard. We really do. <laughs> so I have um, a three bedroom house that I. Um, and the previous owner built a beautiful uh, permitted Arizona room on the back. And uh, what I want to do is I'm going to, I've already blocked off the two entrances from the house into the Arizona room, fixed them up real nice, put nice walls in. And I'm going to, uh, I want to move my mother-in-law back there. Um, and need, I need to end up add a bathroom onto the end. Okay. And um, Arizona or Tucson is right in the, in the midst of uh, changing their uh, zoning laws so to permit uh, um, people to put in casitas. Okay. But I've lost my draftsman. I guess he passed away since the last time I've uh, used him. And so I don't know anybody in Tucson or any really how to go about finding somebody that could uh, come out and look at my project and draw me up some plans that I can take down to the city. And Well, I'll tell you, Bill, the most important thing you said in all of that was the work done to date has all been by permit. That's going to save you so much grief. Um, listen, I've got a, 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 a Rosie certified partner in Tucson. His name is Chauncey Meyer. He's an architect. Uh, really does some beautiful work. And he's been down there a long time. Uh, I don't know that... Uh, I know if you call him and talk to him, uh, y'all will be able to reach an agreement on whether he is or has the time to tackle this or not. But if he doesn't, uh, he may have a recommendation or two for you. Chauncey has done some beautiful custom homework, the beautiful uh, shrine that he did up at Winter Haven. It's just absolutely beautiful. Chauncey's phone number is 314-5272. And he's right there on North Swan Road. So, Bill, give give Chauncey a call. Let him know you and I talked. Uh, so start with a call to Chauncey. You, he's just a great guy. And, and he does do beautiful architecture. Hey friends, guess what? If you want to cut down your own Christmas tree this year out of the National Forest in Arizona, I have invited Michelle Williams, the Timber Resource Specialist at Tancho National Forest, to join us this morning and talk us through the process of getting a Christmas tree permit. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. How are you today? Great. Good. Hey, you're a native um, Arizonan, correct? I am. And you've been with the Forest Service how long? 13 years. And you get to work in beautiful Payson, Arizona. I was hoping you would um, be able to share with our listeners about the process for getting the Christmas tree permit. Okay, uh, there's two ways to get permits. You can either go to one of our district offices. They are located in Mesa, Cave Creek, or Payson. Those three will be issuing permits over the counter. 
or you can go to recreation.gov and you can buy one there and print it out yourself. How many permits do you guys give out? Um, I think about 1,500 online and 750 over the counter. Do you, do you end up giving them all away each year, or is there some left over? Are they in high demand? No, usually we sell out online, but the over-the-counters, we usually have leftovers every year. So oh, that's a good tip. So if you go online and they've sold out on there, you can still go by one of the offices and pick one up. So once you've got your permit, what is, a, what is the process for finding your tree? So when you get a permit, you will be issued an instruction sheet and a map. And the map shows the areas where you are legally allowed to harvest the tree. So if you follow the map, you can go out and harvest the tree out of any of the areas that are okay to harvest in. It's not trailheads or campgrounds. It's it's a pretty open area. On the Tonto, um, most people want either fir trees or pine trees. So obviously you're going to go up to either Payson or the Pleasant Valley area. It's any species tag. You can get any species you want. We just ask that you keep it under 10 feet and you cut your stump as close to the ground as you can. And what if I wanted a few ferns to throw around the house too? You are allowed to collect as many branches as you want mm -hmm. and take home with you with your permit. Um, that comes with your permit. So if you want to decorate, say, your fireplace mantle with some boughs and some pine cones, you're welcome to do that when you pick up your permit. And I just went on that recreation.gov site. That is a really nice website. Yes, it's where you go to reserve campsite. And one of the good tips I thought, um, Michelle, was be sure you know what size you're working with in your home, <laughs> right? You don't want to bring home something that won't yeah. fit. And you need to remember to, you know, measure your ceiling height, mm -hmm. but also leave enough room for your star or your angel on the top of the tree. <gasps> Good you don't tip. want to get home and, and be like the Griswolds and have it bent over at the top because it's too high for your feeling. Uh, well, hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I, I did want to mention also, so that you you work with Tonto National Forest, but there are actually um, six forests altogether in Arizona. There's the Coconina, Apache Sitgreaves, Coronada, Kaibab, and Prescott. So you want to make sure that wherever you, you want to go that you pull the permit in that forest, correct? That is correct. Well, hey, thank you so much. You are welcome. Okay. You have a great weekend. Well, we've been talking all month long about this topic of STRs, short-term rentals. The party house down the street that someone moved out of and now is renting it on one and two and three night occasions that every once in a while can blow up into a neighborhood disaster. Well, I know a lot of homeowners. I know a lot of HOAs that were just boiling their blood of what they could do about this. And the state legislatures have taken a step in the right direction. And to speak to that, we've got State Representative John Cavanaugh. Mr. Cavanaugh, thanks a million for joining us here this morning. My pleasure. So uh, you must have been hearing it from your constituents. Uh, what what triggered the move in this direction? You've got the private property people that say, don't tell me what I can or can't do with my property. And then you got the rest of us in the neighborhood saying, uh, what do we got to do with that, that house that has a fraternity party every Friday night? <laughs> yeah. well, well, I knew this was going to be a major problem in 2017 when this bill, when this law passed. Uh, you know, I had spent a total of six years on the Fountain Hills Town Council and, and three years on a council back east. So I knew the dirty little secret of municipalities, which is that <laughs> code enforcers have very little power or ability, uh, especially when offenses occur after five o'clock on a weekday. 
Uh, And I knew this was going to be a disaster. In fact, it passed out of the Senate with only one dissenting vote. And that dissenting vote was me. I was in the Senate at the time. Okay. And it passed into law. You know, everybody drank the Kool-Aid. The conservatives loved it because it was limiting government and regulation. The Democrats loved it because they bought the story that this will allow the empty nesting couple with the spare bedroom to make a little extra cash. Okay. To the exchange student from Sweden, uh, which, of course, Never happened. These are all, uh, you know, full house rentals, and many of them are owned by commercial companies now. I mean, what they are is they're they're horizontal decentralized hotels. Sure. They're commercial operations in residential neighborhoods, and that's why I, I opposed it. Uh, I have I, I respect property owners' rights, and when 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 the legislature passes a law that lets a commercial enterprise in my residential zone. That's destroying my property right because I, I would have I would have built a house in you know next to a McDonald's if I wanted to be near commercial activity. But that's another story. That's a great point. Uh, that is a great point. So y'all brought up this party house bill to kind of make yeah. make a step in reclaiming our neighborhoods. What I know some people think it's a step in the right direction. I know other people think, gosh, it just didn't go far enough. But a step yeah. in the right direction is a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, that was the first bill that, that I was able to pass to, to kind of rein it in. Because you, you literally had people who had these houses, and they were renting solely for the purposes of weddings and, and things like that. Yes. Where charter buses were pulling up in, in front of the house and letting off, like, you know, busloads of people. So that was passed that they, they it can't be for events. But it still creates a problem. Uh and the problem was the original bill uh, pretty much totally neutered local enforcement. So now this latest bill that was passed brings a lot of that enforcement ability back. Nice. It allows local governments to require permits and licenses so they can keep track of them. And they can also suspend them when there are certain multiple violations like noise and what have you, or even one very serious violation like a shooting or something like that. Uh, It requires the permits to be posted on the house, the owners to give certain information about who to contact when there's a problem at the house. Uh, It has some insurance requirements, and it refines the penalties and appeals processes. So it's a good step forward to control them if, in fact, the municipalities have the resources to enforce it. Because when it's, you know, Saturday night at 12, and it's a small town, and they don't have any code inspector, and the police really don't want to get involved in this, you know, it's tough to do enforcement. And, And I can speak from personal experience just in my own neighborhood this past summer. There was a house being rented out for a wedding. It was a big crowd, a very big crowd. And it was far enough from my house I couldn't hear it. And then my phone lit up with my neighborhood social platforming app, everybody complaining about it and everybody calling the city police and nothing happening until 140 shots rang out with people shooting in the air. Then we had sirens and people speeding out of the neighborhoods and helicopters. And it's just great that us homeowners that are being impacted by the trash and the noise by these party houses now have some recourse, somebody to call. Well, you know, uh, my, my wife was she was mayor of Fountain Hills for about six years. Yes, and yeah. She would get phone calls from residents who had these next door to them. And every weekend, a different group in the back late at night, 
playing music, cursing, smoking, tobacco smoke over the fence. Yeah. It was just totally destroyed their home, which is the biggest investment that most of us make in our lives. Well, I can't thank you enough as a homeowner, although I'm not in Fountain Hills. If I did own a home in Fountain Hills, I probably would make it a short-term rental because people want to get up there and see those views and overlook the, the river and Four Peaks and superstitions. I mean, you've got an absolutely beautiful party environment yeah. wherever you are in Fountain Hills. That's for sure. Well, that raises an interesting other problem with the short-term rentals. They really only pop up in areas that people want to visit, which tend to be tourist areas. So it was very hard to get legislators in areas that people don't visit, because there's nothing really to see there, (laughs) uh, to oppose these problems. But North Phoenix, Scottsdale, Fountain Hills, Sedona, Sedona, uh, Flagstaff. Sedona is the basket case because of It is. 40% of their residential houses in their downtown are short-term rentals. They have not only increased the rents for other homes, but there's virtually no place for school teachers and cops and store clerks to live in Sedona anymore. Now, this legislation, this party house bill, is a state law. So wherever a homeowner might be in Arizona, should they experience Mm -hmm. a, a party house violation, they would just reach out to the local law enforcement agency in their community right now, right? Well, it depends on if, in fact, their town government has, has the cops documenting and doing that. Oh. You know, a, a prelude would be to call your city or town manager and say, you know, I've got a home rent, a short-term rental near me. If I have a problem, who do I call if it's not during the daytime and town hall is closed? Do, you, do the cops have instructions to go over there and do citations and documentation? Uh, if they don't, then, then that's something the homeowner should do. Now, I'm not saying you go on the property and get yourself into trouble or, or into danger, but you certainly want to jot down a note about the time, what you're observing, uh, if there's any evidence of it uh, from the street, like a whole lot of cars parked or trash or, or, or noise coming from it, then, you know, go to the curb and videotape and, and get the sound. And, and then you can go to the town hall and say, this is what happened. If you don't document it, then for the purposes of enforcement, there's very little that the town can do other than in the future, you know, tell the police or the code enforcers to pay close attention to that house. You know, it's our it's our goal at Rosie on the House the last 34 years to become every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And, I, and as a word of caution to all of you, my best friends, if you're experiencing this in your neighborhood, let cool heads prevail. Video, document, and go check into a quiet motel six blocks away. Don't go in there and vigilante try and enforce a correction. That's going to be more trouble than you could ever possibly want to have to deal with. And after you report this, uh, make sure you communicate with your state senator and your state representative and tell them what a disruption these short-term rentals are and that you want even more state laws to give more power to local governments to, 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 to control these or even shut them down. Personally, I, I stick with my original position. I'm in a residential zone. There should not be a hotel next to my house. I would say if a town wants to ban them, fine. And I'm just talking short-term rentals. Yes, I don't have a yeah. problem with somebody renting their house, you know, long-term for tenants. But, you know, this every weekend somebody different is just a recipe for disaster. It is. And I've been here since 66, and I've got family members that own older masonry homes in Old Town Scottsdale, and they rent them out five months a year. 
And to snowbird visitors, and the house sits empty all summer, they make their mortgage payment and a little profit. I mean, it's it's been a retirement leg of a lot of my family members' stools, and it's worked out very well. But the fact that the the institution that now rents more overnight beds in the world doesn't own one facility. They're a brokerage house, and it has very little ability to rein in all of their customers' clients that are posting their property. So so on the topic of short-term rentals, I hope that gives you all a clearer picture of our current status and what you can or cannot or should or shouldn't do. If you find it happening in your neighborhood, and I have State Representative John Cavanaugh to thank for this information, and I think who also authored the bill. Yes, I authored one of them. This latest bill was uh, Representative J.D. Mesnard, but uh, there's plenty of room for more bills. Just All right, let's get to our weekly to-do. And our weekly to-do is something that's tied into our home maintenance app. You can go to rosieonthehouse.com slash app and download the app. The free service lets you inventory your entire home, so you've got a complete backup, digital copy of all your possessions for any fire or theft uh, situations that may happen. Uh, you've got that all that proof backed up on your app. And then for... $45 a year if you use promo code ROSIE, otherwise it's $60 a year. It unlocks the home maintenance tab, it unlocks the projects tab, it unlocks the financing tab, and then it unlocks the op- option to list it as a selling option should you ever want to sell your home. But the projects tab is what the weekly to-do is tied into, and it helps you track and keep up with everything that you do to maintain your home. You can catalog you know, products you use, the money you spent, the people that were involved in helping, the companies that were involved in helping, if it's a reoccurring task. You can set that up and you can set it up to assign it to other members in the family. Uh, you can have two properties under this. So if you've got parents that are aging in place or maybe you are the aging in place parents and you need this tool to help your uh, kids help you keep up with it and in and, and a platform that they can understand and use an electronic error. It's a great tool, but our holiday lighting is the weekly to do, and it talks about you know the benefits of LED lights for you know our modern lighting. I, there's still something about the old big bulbs that I like, but you can even get those that are LED lights. They're just designed to look like the old school ones. They don't put off near the heat of the old <clears throat> that the old uh, lights did, and they uh, last much longer. You know. The, the article says 10 years, but a, a good LED light should last you a lot more than that. And then it also has resources in there for recycling because that's something that seems like every single year when you pull out a strand of lights, you have uh, stuff to throw away. Well, a lot of hardware stores will have recycling drop-off points where you can dump that into instead of just chucking it in the garbage. So uh, our article is on our website. I'm not going to dive much more into it just because that's – you know, you know, one of those topics. You know, I don't know how much benefit 
I can be sitting here tell you how to hang up holiday lights. Well, I mean, that's it, kind it, of a. It kind of all depends. I mean, do you want static lights? Do you want them to chase? Do you want them to twinkle, fall down? I mean, uh, boy, yeah. it's much better than those old <laughs> incandescent uh, glass bulb lights. And when you put them on a string, if one goes out, they all go out, not with LED lights. Yeah. So you pick out your own style and uh, just be careful on the ladder. That is the number one cause of yes. trips <laughs> to emergency rooms by Arizona homeowners is falls off the ladder. Just be careful while you're out there climbing around. And something interesting uh, happening across country in West Virginia, a sinkhole that started out this summer was three feet wide and 30 feet deep is now uh, even larger because of heavy rains and hurricane uh, Noel, no, I'm sorry, Hurricane Nicole that washed it out. And it's uh, now 300 foot wide steel. It's about to swallow up the Hinton Police Department. Now, we don't have sinkholes in Arizona, but we do have fissures. And where I'm assuming a lot of the sinkholes in West Virginia might come from mining, a lot of ours come from mining water. So as the water gets pumped out of the ground, we end up with fissures, but they're nowhere near the size of these massive sinkholes. So one more great reason to live here in Arizona and the geological uh, – safety that it offers to uh, inhabitants. If you've got questions between now and next week, R-O-S-I-E on the house.com, Rosie on the house.com. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy the uh, next day and a half with your friends and family. It'll be the first week of December, so we'll be starting a brand new month and the final month for 2022.